This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome everybody to the current state of WWE. Anthony DeMarco is back with me tonight on this September 5th, 2022. Monday Night Raw is going on as we speak, and I heard about a big return. I won't spoil it yet, so if you haven't seen Monday Night Raw, there's a big return that happens. Um, but before we get there, Anthony, how you doing? And I know you want to talk a little bit about IEW, so uh, take it away. Yeah, man. Uh, good to be back. I know we missed last week, but uh, you know our schedules have been kind of upside down, polar opposites and whatnot. But yeah, like obviously we're the WWE podcast. We don't talk about AEW a whole lot. I don't think I've ever spoken about AEW with you or on my own show because I just I don't typically watch it. I'll peek in every now and again. But I have to say, I'm sure that most wrestling fans, even if you are predominantly a WWE guy like ourselves, have seen at least some of the tidbits of the CM Punk uh, press conference. And look, obviously you have speculation that it's a work, and it very well could be, uh, for sure. But even if it is a work, and I would say it's a 50-50 toss-up because I could see it going either way, for whatever reason, I feel like AEW is barreling towards just like a crash of epic proportions, especially when you consider how hot they were coming out of the gate. And I don't know if it's because they're simultaneously going on the downturn while WWE seems to be on the uptick under Triple H's guidance. Although WWE isn't perfect, and we'll get to that, trust me. But first of all, did you see the CM Punk um, press conference, and what did you think of it? So I I had to see it because it was was going all over my social media. Obviously, you know, as a wrestling fan, you couldn't avoid it on your Twitter feed, wherever. I didn't watch the entire thing. It it went on longer than I thought it was. It was like, I don't know, a 14-minute clip or something. Uh, I saw enough of it to know what the general gist of this was, and the highlights of this um, were about CM Punk talking about how he's a grown-ass man, and he doesn't need to explain to people why he's not friends with them, and he called out Hangman Page, and all these things, and... (laughs) I, you know, there, there is speculation of whether or not it's a work. I honestly don't care if it's a work or not. To me, this is it's beyond that. If you know, if it is or isn't, the fact of the matter is, this seems kind of desperate by by AEW in a, in a way. I I don't know. I, for somebody that doesn't really watch the product, but I understand what wrestling is and what it sh- what it looks like when it's good. This seems like a desperation move. Not that they're going to be flailing or that they're going to go off the air next week, but it's almost like, hey, hey, over here, look at me, look at me. Everyone's talking about this. Is it a work? Is it a shoot? I don't know, guys. Talk about it and figure it out. And I'm like, it just smells of desperation. And it, the more I look at this, the more I'm like really kind of becoming less and less a fan of CM Punk, I have to say. Um, his return was hot. It was one of the biggest returns in pro wrestling. Uh, I, I was marking out for it. I'm not even going to pretend I wasn't. But like CM Punk comes across whether intentionally or not or work or not as a genuinely big d bag uh, like a self entitled uh kind of above everyone d bag i mean that's the way he's come across lately so those are my thoughts i'm not going to pretend i know more than that what did you think 
it just came off as super bush league and like you said work or not like for one like look i'm all for more mature content and i think that swearing sometimes does have a place like you know with the matt riddle stuff and they bleep it out but like he must have said drop the f-bomb mm. like 20 times and in my head i'm just like and look, I, I'm not like a child here. Like I swear regularly with my buddies and whatnot, but it just felt so garage league. And like, especially the fact that the owner's sitting beside him and just taking it. And I think that's another thing about this is like, I'm not going to lie. Like Tony Khan to me comes off as just an unlikable mark with his daddy's money. And that's what it comes off like just a wrestling super fan who wants to play pretend with his toys and just happens to be the son of a billionaire who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and a, and a soccer team in Europe. And like, look, I'm not going to lie. Like there are parts of AEW in the early on that like I respected. I'm not really a fan of like the indie style kind of wrestling that they do. I think their production value leaves a bit to be desired, but look to each his own. It was just a matter of preference with me. But lately, especially with CM Punk, and you're right, like CM Punk to me, I always thought he was a little overrated because it's just like, oh, he was so disrespected in WWE. And look, they certainly made their mistakes. But in my head, I was just like, is it just me or did this guy not get one of the more historic runs with the world championship in the modern era? Like his run yeah. from July 2011 to January of 2013 was pretty damn historic. And look, I get it. He dropped it to The Rock, and The Rock was a part-time guy. But at the same time, I'm just like, who didn't want to see The Rock get one last time with the championship? Like, let's be honest here. And would you not agree that it maybe even protected Punk, that in storyline, the only guy that could beat him was The Rock? Yeah, that that did protect him at the time. Although, as you, as you and others have heard, in subsequent interviews that Punk did, he was not happy about having to turn heel. He didn't want to do it. He felt the fans still were behind him. He could have gone away all the way to WrestleMania and main evented WrestleMania. He still has sour grapes about that. But yeah, I think it did protect Punk. And um, just one point about what you made too with Tony Khan sitting there. It does make it look like Little League. Uh, and the reason is because if it's a work or not, either scenario, both paths make the company look weak. It looks like the management doesn't have a set of balls. It, it makes it look kind of in disarray, even if it's a work. That's not a good look. Even it's in worse. A, it's, yeah, there, there's, there's, that's what I'm saying. There, there's no good path. No matter what the answer is, it's irrelevant because of the situation they're in and the way they're making the company look. It makes the company look pitiful. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Like, even if it is a work, it almost comes off worse because it's just like, so you have to, like, because you buried your some of your top talent and executive vice presidents. You buried one of your former world champions. CM Punk, who I guess is their most marketable star right now, aside from maybe Jericho and Moxley, and one of the faces of the company just look like a big effing baby <laughs> and mm -hmm. for all like for all intents and purposes and another thing i saw and like this is something i read in some of the comments because obviously i went down the rabbit hole of these comments is just like you overshadowed a world title match along with an mjf return with this like that pay-per-view like uh, i didn't watch it by all accounts it was an underwhelming pay-per-view 
But, you know, the world title match and the subsequent return of MJF did kind of save it and send the crowd home happy. But nobody's talking about the in-ring stuff. Nobody's talking about MJF's return, which in my mind, he's the best star they have. And I think eventually he's destined for WWE. People are talking about this, like, basically temper tantrum of, oh, is it a work? Is it true? Are they fighting backstage? And, like, even if it is a work, like you said, like, this is the type of content you guys have to, like, conjure up to get people to, like, talk about your product. It can't be from just the in-ring stuff. Like, look, people are talking about Clash of the Castle, right? And look, I will get to it, but, like, I thought the ending and the booking decision for the ending was bad. I don't agree with it. But, like, from an in-ring perspective, I think we could all agree that was one of the better pay-per-views we have seen in years. Mm. Not just the fact that it was good wrestling, but the fact that there weren't many hot air matches. Like, there weren't a lot of matches on the card, and I believe you spoke about this as well in your solo show, it felt like all the matches went for a long, substantial amount of time. There were no just throwaway matches there to fill in the fill in the the hours. But with AEW now, it's just like no one's talking about the actual pay-per-view. We're talking about this. And if it is a shoot, if this was real, it's just like I don't know how Tony Khan allowed this to happen. And I can't imagine that they push forward with CM Punk. But if it's a work, it's just like is the only way – that you can really get us to tune in now is through like these work shoot type of angles. Like, and it seems like AEW is doing this more and more because was this not the case with the MJF yep. pipe bomb a few months ago? Yep. Same thing. Same, same exact thing, which I think, I mean, again, I, that, that to me, I actually, I accepted that a little bit more. It was part of the actual show. It wasn't like yeah. an after the, after the fact, after the, or the press conference thing, which WWE I know did too. They kind of, uh, I, I don't know if they, literally took it from AEW or whatever i don't care but the the fact is that that was part of the show mjf did that as part of the show and it left you wondering hmm i mean wwe does that you know somewhat uh you know uh once in, they do that once in a while and when they make you kind of blur the lines between reality and what's a work and what's not on the show that's kind of cool like yeah, once in a while sure. that happens it's like all right man I, i'm kind of in this like for example with seth rollins and riddle the promo last week when they went off the mic and they said, okay, is this thing off? And then Riddle or um, Rollins talked about Riddle's ex-wife divorcing him and stuff. And apparently they actually don't like each other. Like, that's cool. Like, I, I, I enjoy that. But when it comes to, like, after the fact, that had nothing to do with the actual pay-per-view. And it takes away from what the actual event was supposed to be with these extracurricular activities, after-school activities. It's like, you're really? This is what people are talking about when you just had a pay-per-view is CM Punk? crying and whining and dropping f-bombs like we've never heard the f-word before like yeah come on i don't any anything else on this because i really want to talk about clash of the castle yeah the last thing i would say is just like it feels like AEW is just going back to the well too much with like the and look i like blood in matches but it feels like every match i watch them now the guy's just like pissing blood out of his head they're always swearing now it seems like almost bi-weekly they're going with like these work shoot promos like look i think there's a place for all those things and like look you know the paul Heyman one at uh, ecw one night stand the the seth Rollins stuff like we are accustomed to like I, I have time for stuff like this just feels like aew goes so well with it far too often yeah, it does, and it, man, I could I could go down this hole. Even though I don't watch the product, I've I've seen enough of what everyone's talking about to know you you know what's good, what's not, and when I see a company kind of in desperation mode. Anyway, all right, let's talk about Clash at the Castle. 
And uh, I'm not going to break this down match by match simply because of time. Um, but before we get to the main event, I want to ask you about one thing, and that's Gunther versus Sheamus. Did you, would you say that was the match of the night? A hundred percent. And the last time we had spoke, I think that I said that was the match I was most looking forward to. And it over delivered my expectations and it just felt like a classic match for like a mid card championship. Like I remember back in the day, even though I'm not old, I'm talking like I'm old, but you would be excited arguably the most for a mid card championship match. And this was one of those times. And I think it instantly made Gunther a legit star. Even you could have made the case. He already was that I love Gunther. But this match, you know, undeniably put him in that stratosphere now. And then Sheamus, a guy who, like, I think he's been one of the more consistent workers in WWE for the last probably 15 years at this point. I don't remember exactly when he came in, but it's coming up on that. But it felt like the most meaningful match that he's done probably since the bar and as a single star I don't remember feeling this invested and this strongly about a Sheamus match. Forget a program, just a match. Probably since he was the babyface world heavyweight champion and his very underrated program with the big show in like 2013. Because since then, although always consistent, good on the mic, good in the ring, all that, like you, he just never really had that kind of match. And this one to me, you saw his chest after it so stiff we knew it was going to be stiff but arguably stiffer than we thought it would be absolute classic to me match of the year candidate inst like like just absolutely in in my opinion put the intercontinental championship back on like the main page back into relevancy these two guys i hope that they continue this program i think they have a lot more they could squeeze out of this it felt like a like a blow-off match just because of how good it was but like there's still a lot of juice left to be squeezed, and I was really happy to see Sheamus get the recognition from the crowd in Wales. Just all around, for me, it was five out of five stars. Like, maybe I'm too generous with that, but I loved it. Yeah, this was, and it showed you so many things. Number one, it showed you you don't need to do all these crazy maneuvers and not sell. And just to worry about the moves and how cool they can be and how many reversals you can do and go 400 miles an hour. It showed that pro wrestling at its core doing what worked when pro wrestling was just still just b before this era of high flyers and athletics and gymnastics. It made you it, it reminded you that you can still have a five star match without implementing today's style. And I loved it. It brought me back. And, and Michael Cole called it old school. It was old school for sure. And. Uh, the pacing was great. The physicality was all, more than you and I thought it would be. I mean, the, the how many pop blood vessels did Seamus have on his chest waking up Sunday morning? Um, you know, uh, Gunther doing his part in not only taking his time, not rushing. Uh, yeah, he missed a couple of power bomb spots. I don't really care about that that much. Um, you know, and and also selling the the selling on, in this match was so good because they didn't rush and selling is something that is it's so fundamentally important and key to any pro wrestling match to make you feel something and you said to me that hey Sheamus for the first time in his career at least since uh, he was world champion actually you know it, it was a match that you cared about and made you feel something 
And it's like, yeah, like Seamus has essentially been under the radar, just kind of a veteran guy, ring general, no pun intended. And he, you know, he's there and, but he hasn't made you feel anything um, in the last 10 years. And now he has in a single match. And of course it's in Wales. The crowd certainly helped the match. Uh, I think that the, the crowd did their part throughout the entire night, kept the energy level up. So props to Wales and the 62,000 people there. But this was a match that you go back and you, you realize that you don't need to kill yourself or risk breaking your neck every other maneuver to have a five-star match. It was I can't say enough about this. I, mean, I wouldn't. I don't know even about match of the year. It might be more than that. I mean, like you. I don't want to say best match ever. That's ex, that's a little too broad, but. Match of the year, certainly. The crowd loved it, gave Sheamus the respect that he deserved. Gunther also instantly put on the map, instantly uh, now a star in WWE if he wasn't already. The Intercontinental Championship, which was dead six months ago, dead and buried, and you wondered if they still had it as part of their championship lineup, is now front and center, feeling like one of the most important championships WWE has. It's just I can't say there was nothing wrong with this matchup. I, I'd agree. It was it was a five. And even the build, like just the stare down and they put it together so quickly. They put it together in what, like three weeks, not even. Mm-hmm. And it felt so damn important, like with the stare down while the brawl is going on around them. Like just that one promo between the two of them made you so ready for this match. And you didn't even need that promo. Just when they booked this match initially, it's like you had said, it was like the match you never knew you wanted. But then they do that masterful promo where they're just locked eyes, not moving while their henchmen are battling around the ring. Obviously, you get the return of Imperium with the, I know his mm. first name is Giovanni, which is Vinci. I don't know what I it is. I think so, yeah, yeah. But like that was cool. So it kind of made it a three-on-three type of brawl or a two-on-two outside the ring. Just nothing bad to say about this. I hope they explore it more. And in my mind, just my opinion, I think that as he transitioned into more of a legacy star, I think you keep Sheamus as a baby face. Well, yeah. Why not? I mean, Sheamus has been a heel for about 90% of his career, and he's a good heel. Uh, he knows how to get the crowd angry, the the hair, the mohawk, the you look stupid chants, all that that happened several years ago. He's been hated most of his career, but... This is a match that he didn't even have to say thank you to the crowd. He did nothing other than wrestle, and he turned babyface. That, that's called respect right there. That, that's a respect thing from the crowd of like, hey, that was effing awesome. Um, we, you know, we respect how long you've been here. It's kind of like, oh, cool. It, it just reminded fans of what they have in Sheamus, a guy that I, I think you're right, is probably underrated and underappreciated, has been put into the limelight now, and I do think they'll probably have another match or two. I wouldn't put it at the level of this one. It's going to be very, very difficult, if not impossible, to duplicate this. Uh, th- the same thing happened with, um, who was it? Uh, I can't remember. There, there was another matchup that was awesome, and then they put them back together, and it wasn't as good just recently. But um, oh, the the tag team championships, the, oh, Us- street profits the street profits and, and Usos. Like the, their their SummerSlam match wasn't as good as their Money in the Bank match, and so like you, you, it's near. It's so hard. Every star has to align. It, it's almost impossible to duplicate a performance like that. So if they go at it again, and I think they will at Extreme Rules. I'm going to taper in my expectations because if I look at it and go, oh, they're going to have a six star out of five, you know, match. I'm like, it's not going to happen. 
You just you can't expect that, you know. But yeah, certainly they'd be silly to not put them back together at least for one more time before Survivor Series, at least Extreme Rules. But yeah, this this is uh, something that'll happen again. Babyface for sure right now with Sheamus. Uh, I don't know what happens to his group, but uh, anything else before we move on to the the main event here? No, I I just kind of want to jump into the main event. Yeah, now. let's do it. So <laughs> main event: Roman Reigns. And Drew McIntyre, uh, the crowd was super behind Drew here, and uh, I, I was a bit concerned that Wales would, uh, you know, kind of go in favor of uh, Roman Reigns here, but they didn't. It was about 95%, if not more, in favor of Drew. They did a good job with promos. They did a good job with video packages. All that was great. And the match, I thought, was pretty good. Um, you know, I don't know if it was as good as you know, the Brock Lesnar match that just happened at SummerSlam. A different kind of matchup, but the crowd was into it. There were some believable spots here, and, um, well, we didn't get a new champion here. We got no returns either, and the ending was really weird, and I don't agree with it at all. Um, but Roman Reigns retains after Solo Sikoa. I can't, I don't know if I'm saying that right. A, yeah, the, the younger brother of the Usos comes out. A, a new member of the bloodline. So as I said in my review, not only does the bloodline keep all of their championships, but they're expanding. It's like the the worst nightmare of fans here. Uh, and Roman Reigns retains, and he does what always happens at the end of every pay-per-view for the last two years, holds up his belts as fireworks go off, and then he leaves, and, you know, there's no rock. There's no the, no anything. He just leaves. And then Drew gets in there with Tyson Fury after Theory tried to cash in. Tyson Fury interjects himself. No one says anything. No security does anything. It's just okay. And then they get in there and sing like, you know, I don't know. They were making, sing, singing something. I don't know if it was like uh, some kind of American Pie movie or uh, something. Some kind of weird thing. And I'm like, you just lost one of the biggest matches of your career and you're singing with Tyson Fury? What the hell is going on? What did you think? Um, look, in-ring, fine. I mean, Drew and Roman are great workers, but I'll just cut right to the chase here. Uh, I cannot believe this ending, especially with Triple H at the helm, especially now, like, apparently Roman Reigns is taking another leave of absence, and look, I is mean... He really, wait, is he really? Uh, that's, I, I read it today that apparently he's rumored to take another oh leave of God. absence. Right. So. In my mind, he's not going to be at Extreme Rules. Nope. So now we're guaranteed. We're just tacking on another guaranteed two and a half months to his reign, because now a hundred percent will not lose the championship before Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. And it's like so. Raw doesn't have a champion. SmackDown has an ultra part-time champion, and you built up Drew so well. I thought the build to this match was excellent. I thought the crowd was mostly behind Drew. I thought the Broken the, uh, broken Dreams uh, video package before his actual entrance was amazing. It just felt like the stars were ready to align for Drew. And look, I like you said it first, I was in full agreement with you. Just take one title off of, uh, off of Roman. If you want to get him to that thousand days with the Universal Championship, knock yourself out. I could not care. You want to do that on SmackDown? Go ahead. I think there still is a bit of um, an appetite for that. But to be the dual champion when you're as part-time as he is, and it's been two years, and it's just all Roman all the time, I can't take it anymore. And I thought that they were doing a good job with him by making him more kind of like on an even keel with the rest of the with the superstars. And this is another thing, is that you're quickly barreling towards a predictable outcome here. 
as now it's just like, so what? It's just going to be Cody Rhodes. Like Cody Rhodes is going to come back, win the Royal Rumble and dethrone him. Like, I don't want to be that predictable six, seven months out from WrestleMania, nor do I think it should be Cody Rhodes. Like for me, I don't mind if you want to position Roman as the top guy, but there has to be someone on even keel with him. And for me, I thought what they did here, and I know he didn't win clean. I get that. They tried to protect Drew, but Drew has never once, if I'm not mistaken, in a one-on-one match pinned Roman Reigns. He lost to him at WrestleMania 35. He lost to him at Survivor Series 2020. And you lost to him now at Clash of the Castle. And I remember, I think a few years ago, Triple H said something like getting Roman and Drew in the same ring was like the equivalent of getting like Rock and Austin, which is laughable. It was laughable, but I understand what he was trying to say. But you've killed that now because all you've told us is that by hook or crook, it doesn't matter. Drew will never even be close to Roman's level. And I don't think WWE is a good place when there's one guy so head and shoulders above the rest. There's always has to be a top guy. There has to be a hierarchy. But when Austin was the was the guy, The Rock was always a formidable foe against him. Even Triple H, even The Undertaker. When Cena was the top guy, Orton was always a formidable foe against him. As was Batista, as was Shawn Michaels, as was Triple H. And now with Roman, it's just like you've gone so far in the other direction where now it's like every single pay-per-view. We're just like, OK, he's going to retain and it's going to be the same co- like cop and pasty cop and pa- copy and paste mm-hmm. finish as we've been accustomed to for the last 24 months. That's what it is. We are right clicking on our mouse and just copy and pasting. That's, that's exactly what we're doing. And. I've said this before, but I can't drill it home enough because for those in WWE management that think that, well, they've got us right where they want us, even though they we don't know that we are right where they want us to be. What I mean by that is, well, we're so angry that we want we don't want Roman to be champion. We want to see somebody take the belt off of him. That you know, we're angry, and somebody in WWE is saying, see, we 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 want to elicit anger out of you, and it's like there's a, there's. There is a difference between a heel doing a great job that you would still boo. I'm not talking about a sing-along heel that's kind of quasi in between, but he's cool and all that. No, no, no. There's a difference between old-school heel like Randy Orton was during the pandemic era when he faced Edge. I think that was some of the best work Randy Orton has ever done in his career um, when he turned on Edge. And uh, you know Triple H back in the day, and from you know, 2002 and to whatever he was, 2004 or five. When he was running, basically, he was world champion essentially for like four years. It felt like, yeah, um, like that era of Triple H, old school heat. That it, there's a difference between that and fans just being pissed at the company. Like it, the, the heat is transferred. Like people are mad at Roman Reigns. I think kind of you're, if you're still kind of in the kayfabe world, but like most fans are just pissed at the company right now. They're just like. Can we move on? And it's affecting people on Raw. Like, actual careers of the guys on Raw. I've said that before. That's true. Like, this is a storyline that's no longer benefiting Roman. Like, you've maxed out what you can do with him at this level. Like, there's no... You could make him champion for five years... And you know, versus two years, and people will be like, "Well, it's the same guy." Like, I mean, it's just more and more anger being transferred to the company, and people not wanting to watch. It's a change. I don't want to say it's changed the channel, but it's just 
people being disgruntled with Roman still being champion. And I understand it's the gotta have it now. People have no attention span era with our phones and everything else at our fingertips. And a lot of that has to do with the way we look at the world. But this is just, they've maxed out what they can do. They're handicapping themselves too, by the way, by only having Roman be champion, no championship on Raw, and you're running out of baby faces to work with. If you flip it to somebody else that's just going to be there on a weekly basis, you open up an entirely new possibility, a new world of matchups. Instead, you look at it and you know there's only like a very few select people that can work with Roman. Like I know Seth has made a proclamation that once he's done with Riddle, he's moving on to the, the Undisputed Championship. That's at least halfway encouraging. Um, do I think he's going to beat Roman? I'm imagining it's Seth versus Roman at Survivor Series. I'd imagine, by the way, that's probably what they're headed towards. But even if that happens, I don't have the confidence that WWE's going to put the belt on, on Seth. Why? Because he's a heel. And I don't think people are going to just automatically cheer Seth, even though I think they will because they're just tired of Roman being champion. But for it to go from a heel to a heel, uh, that's, that, that's something that's not usually advisable. Um, and also there's history from last year. People forget about the beatdown Roman Reigns gave Seth. I hope they go back to that. So anyway, my point is that the heat is on the company now. It's no longer on Roman and people going, man, good golly, they're doing such a great job with Roman Reigns. I hope someone takes the belt off of him. It's it's kind of like, dude, Triple H, you're the one running things now. You better have a hell of a plan here because people are they're they're over it. They're done with it. And they, they're tired. They're actually just mad at the company at this point. It's just frustrating. Like, you just want to see something different. And, like, again, like, would you be upset if they had just taken one belt off of them and pushed forward no. with the Universal title? I've advocated for that because they could have their cake and eat it, too. It's great for everybody. It works for everyone. You get to keep the streak. You get to put a championship on Raw. You can. I don't care if he's champion for five 500,000 days. As long as there's a championship on Raw that people can compete for you know, outside of the U.S. and Intercontinental, which admittedly they have done, and Triple H has done an excellent job of resurrecting them from their graves. Excellent, especially the IC. And that's a credit not just to Triple H, but of course the, the wrestlers and, and Gunther and and, uh, and Sheamus and Bobby Lashley and you know, all them. But, uh, no, I, I don't to me, I just see no negative in that. There's no negative in having Roman split his championships, some kind of snafu in the contract, as I've said, Paul Heyman, this, the little sly uh, tribal uh, chief's assistant, finds something in the, in the, in the, in the um, contract, and boom. Okay, he's still universal champion. His streak continues, and here, Raw, here you, here you go. Here's your WWE championship. It's not that hard to do. I just... They're, they're handcuffing them. They're screwing themselves at this point with the limited number of matchups. You don't have your world champion on even semi-regularly. He's be, he, like he makes Brock Lesnar look like an everyday occurrence. I mean, like that's how like rare it has been for Roman Reigns to show up on SmackDown. Although, you know, before the pay-per-view, he did. And I understand that. But yeah, this is it's just, it's getting out of hand. It is. And, you know, I remember when Brock became champ the first time upon his return, when there wasn't a brand split and there was just one world title. And he was an absentee champion for, I believe, six months until Seth Rollins dethroned him at WrestleMania 31 in 2015. Every other time Brock has been champion, there has been a counterpart champion on SmackDown. 
like for all of 2017 and half of 2018, you had like AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan as the WWE champion over on SmackDown. And even this time when he won the title, you had Roman Reigns on SmackDown. If you want to have one absentee champion or maybe one for like a six month period as the sole champion, then fine. But you can't have one absentee champion for like months on end. And it's been since WrestleMania. And how many times has he actually showed up on Monday Night Raw? I feel like I could count on one hand. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like no one on Monday Night Raw is a challenger for him. Like, but for Drew McIntyre, who was challenging him? Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was a, he was both brands, right? Like he's not a Raw nor a SmackDown guy. Before Brock Lesnar, who was challenging him for the title? Matt Riddle. I guess Matt Riddle is technically a raw guy, but it seems like whenever you feud with the Usos, you can float or you you're involved with the Usos or the bloodline. You can float from brand to brand. Like the last time, like a raw guy actually was in the mix for a championship regularly. It felt like Bobby Lashley all the way back in the winter. And like, look, I get it. Bobby Lashley is, I guess, kind of elevated throughout all this because he's holding like the sole um singles championship on monday night raw for the men but it just feels like raw which is uh, you know theoretically your flagship program just has nothing going for it right now in terms of a world title scene and you see guys like aj styles seth rollins even matt riddle you can make a case for bobby lashley kevin owens all these guys that in my mind could be absolutely adequate world champions are just kind of withering away in like personal feuds and like mid-card championships which is well and good but like what's the ultimate goal of being in any form of competition to win the big one to win the world title and there's just no goal right now for anyone on monday night raw and now if he does take a leave of absence i think that it'll be that case on smackdown too it's just I don't want to just tear down like an otherwise very good pay-per-view and an otherwise very good product since Triple H took over, but I was absolutely dumbfounded that he actually made Roman Reigns win. This one, it felt like, yeah, I mean, I made the joke on my show, my re review show, that Vince somehow snuck into the building and you know wrote down on a piece of paper what you know the creative is going to be, and then somehow submitted it on behalf of Triple H, and that's the ending we got because it felt very Vince McMahon-esque. It's almost like Vince got in the head of Triple H or something for this, and especially what happened after this with Tyson Fury and uh, and Drew McIntyre singing American Pie, you know, like they're drunk at a bar at 4 a.m. Like we're all supposed to be entertained about what what they're doing here when no one gives a damn. By the way, like no one cares about Tyson Fury. Like he showed up and like, why is he here? I don't want to see him. What was he doing here? Why does he get free reign to just knock out the wrestlers? We we're all just okay with it. Uh, and then he sings, you know, with Drew, and that made Drew kind of look like you know, he didn't care that much. Like he, I know he thanked the fans, and it's, I'm not blaming Drew. The creative on that was bad. I know they were trying to make the the, the fans go home happy. They want the smile on your face, so you it kind of softens the blow of of Drew not becoming champion. You know, I, I understand all that, but like don't don't try to sugarcoat this. Like just just let us be angry. Don't try to sugarcoat it. And and all of a sudden we're supposed to be singing along with Drew. Like screw that. Um, I'm not doing it. I'm not buying it. And that made me. That's the thing that made me very just kind of dumbfounded too. Was like Triple H is in charge, right? Like did did, did McMahon like somehow sneak in? It felt 
like very Vince to do this. Because if Vince was in charge, I wouldn't even have picked Drew McIntyre. I would have said, yeah, Roman wins. Like, I actually would have said that, you know, there's a small chance Drew could win, but Roman probably retains. The major reason that I chose Drew is because Triple H seems to be much more in tune with what the fans want. He's doing a lot of the things that we wanted and didn't even know we needed and wanted with returns and storylines. And I said there's the biggest statement he can make in his entire Oh, well, uh, albeit a couple of month month run as the head of creative and, and the uh, talent relations is to take the belt off Roman, just at least one of them. And he didn't do it. And I, that to me was the biggest shock and the, the biggest uh, I don't want to say it's a betrayal because I, I know Triple H has something in mind here, but I honestly don't even know what the payoff could be that would warrant this continuing. I mean, like what how big or good of a payoff could this be where I'm going to be like, oh, well. Man, now I get it. Now I know why they kept this going like 18 months longer than it should have. There's just nothing. And honestly, the longer they go, the higher expectations fans have for what the payoff's going to be, which is going to be an unattainable uh, an unattainable level as it already is. And the longer you go, the more fans are going to think that, oh, well, they must have something big planned. And I just don't think there's anything imaginable that they could come up with where I could just be like, okay, they're vindicated. I get it. Is there anything for you? Um, I honestly think that at this point, it's like a law of diminishing returns where like you think like, okay, well now it's going to be so big when he finally does drop the belt. And it's like you said, like there is no payoff big enough to now make up for what they've done with this title run. I think that it's gotten to that point and it's sad, right? Because if you would have asked me a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago, especially, I would have said, like, no, when they end this run, which we all liked in the beginning, the first, like, three quarters of it, right up until this WrestleMania, to be honest, we all would have said, like, it's going to be an amazing ending. But now it's just, like, I just want it to end. And when it does end, I'm not even going to care how it's <laughs> done anymore. And that's yeah. what sucks. I don't even care about the creative that will lead to him dropping one of those belts. I just want it done. Like, you could literally have, like, Bad Bunny come out and, like, roll him up, like, 24-7 championship-esque and, like, beat him for one of the world titles. And I'd be like, okay, thank God. Terrible creative, but I don't care anymore. And that's exactly the point where I've gotten to. That's true. Yeah, I mean, while the expectation is maybe building for some, maybe some people may be on board for that. The other argument is fans have kind of given up and said, F this. I don't care how it happens or when it happens or if R-Truth does it. I mean, if R-Truth does it, hey, like sign me up. I would actually love to see R-Truth as champion. I think that'd be entertaining for a while. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point literally where I just I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how they do it, when they do it, or I do care when, but I don't care how. I don't care who. Uh, those are the two I don't care about anymore. And that says something about the product. When fans, a lot of fans, not just you and I, have reached the point of just not caring and just can we get it over with so we can move on versus WWE thinking they have this grand plan that, oh, you'll see, guys, you'll see. I know you're angry with us now, but you'll see in a few months when Roman drops the belt or whatever it is, you guys will look back and, you know, we'll be the ones that are smarter than you. And it's I have a very high suspicion that that is not going to be the case at all but um yeah this is it's just getting crazy it's getting crazy we praised this roman reigns run for a while and it was great for a while and then it reached the point of like all right uh, it's he's still champion and now it's like holy you know he's still champion can we please move on uh yeah it's it's just it's overkill so uh, any final thoughts 
No, I think I got it all off my chest, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I, it's it's a rant that we go on every time, but it's going to get worse. It's This is WWE's fault. This is not our fault that we rant. So, um, All right. Well, uh, before we go, I've let everyone know what the show that you produce every single Friday and what your uh, Twitter is. Yeah, so obviously I drop uh, WWE Retro every single Friday. Uh, sometimes later in the day, but I always seem to get it in. Uh, this week I did Raw 1000, which were, which went down just about uh, 10 years ago in July of 2012. It was kind of cool to go look back and see all like, the kind of guys and the nostalgia that came out for that show. No, Virtually no wrestling on that show. A very entertainment, <laughs> high-level show, but uh, be sure to check that out. And obviously catch me on Twitter at Demarco 25 very good. All right. Well, uh, yeah, let's go t- catch our breath. I think it's going to take a week to recover. And, uh, yeah, so thanks so much, buddy. We'll be back in a week, and you take care. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Take care. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEPodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.